everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. It's completely natural to want to be totally self-sufficient. But I imagine that there's some of you that are joining us today, and if it's not today, this has been true of you at some point in your life or will be true of you at some point in your life where you've realized that whatever is going on around you, you finally made the connection that you're not smart enough, talented enough, wealthy enough, or capable enough to make life how it should be. And in those moments, and and again, if you're there in that moment today, I I hope you'll start to realize what what Tyler's mentioned. Like we we can't go back and change how we've arrived where we're at today, but we can start now and change the ending. That's why we've been in this series called First. Is It's all about how we prioritize life. In fact, faith and life and uh, experiencing life to the full that Jesus talked about, it's not a matter of what we believe about God. That's important. Like what we believe about God is incredibly important. But what's more important is how we prioritize, how we order our life. When we put him first, and we're gonna hear more from uh, Tyler and the rest of the story at the end of the message, But as we put him first, it starts to leak into all these other areas and all these other areas, all these other relationships start to rise with the same tide as our relationship with Christ starts to rise. In this series, we've asked this question, is Jesus important? Is he just important or is he first? If you haven't been with us these past couple weeks, again, I wanna welcome you. Good to have all of you at all six of our campuses. For those of you watching online, it's an honor to be with you today. If you haven't seen our previous week's message, Dwight has done an incredible job throughout this series unpacking what it looks like to make Christ first in our lives. Go back and catch those out. In the first few weeks, we've been talking really about what it looks like to put Christ first because of who he is and what we've done. We've been working through the book of Colossians. We've worked so far through the first couple chapters just into chapter three. And for much of the beginning of this book, it's all about who Jesus is, what he's done and why he deserves to be first in our lives. For where we're gonna go today and even next week, the rest of the book of of Colossians chapter three, chapter four, the apostle Paul gets very specific about what it looks like for Christ to be first, not just in our individual lives, but how it starts to affect every area of our life. And what he talks about most today is our relationships. If Christ is first in all of your relationships, what should those relationships look like? What should they be? And he specifically is gonna mention three relationships. We're gonna dive in a little bit to each one of those, marriage, family, and work and what the qualities that represent a Christ first relationship look like in each of those areas. But there's really one thing that he hits on in each one of those areas that um, is like the secret sauce. It's the magic that makes any relationship not just good, but effective and powerful and something uh, that others would desire. That was what desire. But when we make Christ first, here's the challenge that we have. And Paul gives us this challenge in Colossians chapter three, verse 17. This is what he challenges us to do in our relationship with him. It says, in whatever you do, doesn't matter what, 
Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. No matter what you do, do everything in a way that honors him and puts him first. One of those things that we do is our relationships. And in Colossians chapter three, verse 12 through 16, he talks about 10 qualities. There's, there's 10 qualities. These aren't the only qualities that you see in Christ's first relationships, but these are evidence if Christ is first in your relationships. So I want you to pay attention as we read these verses and we'll look at them again in a little bit uh, throughout our time together. Here, here's some of those qualities to, to look like. And as we read this, just think about in my marriage, in my family, and my workplace, are these qualities present in how I treat other people? He starts this off in verse 12, Colossians 3. He says, since God shows you to be the Holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. I like this word clothe. Uh, I don't see anybody wearing pajamas today. That's a good thing. When you got out of bed, you put on clothes to come to church. What I, why I like that word so much is, uh, is because these qualities that he's gonna talk about, sometimes we might associate them with a way we feel or a feeling. These are not feelings. These are choices that we make. We choose how we clothe ourselves, what qualities we want our life to be about. Clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. We all, we all love to do that, don't we? Make allowance for others' faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord, forgive. why do we forgive others? Because the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. He continues, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds, all, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Did you catch those 10 qualities? Those 10 things that kind of define whether Christ is first in all of your relationships? Here's a list of them. It's, it's, it's living with things like this in your marriage, in your friendships, in your family. Like, are they full of mercy and kindness? Humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, living in peace, thankfulness, and teaching and counseling each other. That's a big list to remember. And I think that's why Paul transitions into this one characteristic that really is the uh, glue. It's the secret sauce that makes all of these things happen. If you do this one thing, all of these things will kind of happen on their own. Do you know what that one thing is? It's mutual submission. Mutual submission is the secret sauce that puts Christ at front and center and in front and center in every single relationship. And the first way he talks about that is, is in marriages. Let's, let's read this in Colossians chapter three, verse 18 and 19. This is how he would speak to those of you who are married. If you hope to be married someday and currently aren't, like this is Paul's advice to you. And what he says here in Colossians three, it's two sentences. It's short. He speaks a lot more of in Ephesians chapter five, but the theme of this is mutual submission. He speaks to both wives and husbands. To wives, he says, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. But it's not just wives who have a role to play. Husbands, we do as well. It says, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Mutual, here's all what, here's mutual submission. This, it's as simple as this. Mutual submission is when you have two people in any relationship, it's just this, is that the one person always puts the other person ahead of themselves. Whatever 
they want, whatever's best for them, I'm gonna do that for them instead of doing what I would prefer, maybe what would come natural to me. That's all mutual submission is. It's not only critical in all relationships, it's incredibly critical in marriages. In fact, we, we strongly, strongly uh, believe in the power of marriage. Marriage, and, the, and, and it's not just that the power of marriage for the couple and the family. When marriages are good, it's not just good for each other. It's not just good for the family. When marriages are good, it's great for the community. And that's why we wanna invest in marriages. In fact, coming up in a couple of weeks on Friday night and Saturday morning, March 24th and 25th, we are hosting a marriage seminar. Todd and Renee Clark. Uh, Todd's one of my favorite communicators out there. They're going to do an incredible job speaking into our marriages. If you haven't registered for that event yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, but be sure to jump on that. It's gonna be a powerful Weekend. It doesn't matter if your, your marriage is great, good, okay, struggling. Like no matter where you're at, that always just helps you take the next step. Our, our marriages, our relationships, they take a little bit of maintenance. You can find out more information about that marriage seminar at newpoint.org slash events. We're also gonna be doing a marriage series after Easter, which will be great as well. But here's why that's so important. I do a lot of, um, I have done a lot of premarital counseling as couples get ready to get married. I've done counseling with couples who are married and are struggling. And we talk about all kinds of things, all the things that many of you who are married know about. It's, it's finances, it's communication, it's conflict, it's intimacy, um, it's all of those things. But every time, especially for young couples, I always come back to this one thing. I said, if you just get this one thing right, you will have not just a good marriage, but you're gonna have an amazing marriage. You're gonna have one of those marriages that other people look at and say like, I want that. And the reason people say that is not because they have good chemistry, it's because they do this one thing. They mutually submit to the other person. They always put the other person's needs ahead of their own. And for those of you who aren't yet married, in fact, maybe uh, we've got some students in the room. Uh, someday you would like to be married. The number one attribute for you to look for in a future spouse not, it's not how cute they are. I mean, that's important. It's not how much money they're going to make. It's not how talented they are. It's could they have the character to live a life in mutual submission? Could we have that kind of relationship? Are they that kind of person? And am I that kind of person? Because if two people both live in mutual submission, you're going to have an amazing marriage. That's the number one attribute to look for. But let's talk about some of these qualities and, and how they play out in our marriage. Like when you think about your marriage, for those of you who are married, like are these things present? Mercy and humility and patience, love, thankfulness, kindness, gentleness, forget, are, are those things in place in your life? If they are, that's a great example. It's a great clue that you have a Christ first relationship. Even something as simple as kindness. Like one of the most powerful things we can do in our marriages is just so simple acts of kindness to our spouse. I don't know why that can be difficult for me. I think honestly, it's because I might take her, Rachel, my wife for granted sometimes. But when we just show little acts of kindness, it's as simple as a, maybe a kiss in the morning and a kiss at night. Well, actually for my wife, it's not a kiss in the morning. She wants nothing to do with me in the morning. She needs a cup of coffee or two or three before she even wants to look at. Well, whatever that act of kindness is, those little things speak. Or patience, like is patience a part of how you treat your spouse? A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, coming home from work and uh, I was 
hungry. I was ready to eat. I had a really busy day. Didn't eat anything all day long. It was about six o'clock at night. I'm ready to eat. My wife also works full time, so she's busy. We always like figure that out. Our kids help us out with that as well. But uh, fortunately that night, my wife had made a lasagna. It was in the freezer. She pulled it out put it in the oven. As soon as, as I got home, she goes, great, it's time to eat. I'm like, great, let's eat. She pulls the lasagna out of the oven. It's still frozen. In our kitchen, we have two ovens. We have a top oven and a bottom oven. She turned the top oven on. She put the lasagna in the bottom oven. And of course, I mean, in all my patience, I said, babe, it's okay. Your good intentions is all I need to be full. Who needs lasagna? Yeah, right. That's, it's not, was, I don't usually say like mean words, but I do this. I'm like, I'm a sire. You know, that's when I, that's, that's my frustration when it comes out. So that's, that's unkind as well. But why do we struggle sometimes with these qualities, impatience and, and kindness? It's really simple. It's not complex. It's because me becomes greater than she. Or me becomes greater than he. That's why mutual submission is so powerful. And here's why having Christ first in your life and in your marriage is even that much more important. God created you. This is not your fault. This is just the way we were created. We were created to love others only to the level that we have been loved. We can only love someone as well as we have been loved ourselves. And in marriage, this is why this is dangerous in marriage because we all have seasons. We get busy. Kids come along, especially when you have young ones or you get busy with work. Like life gets busy and there become stretches in marriage where I don't love the other as well as I should, as, even as well as I want to, but we just get busy. We get distracted. And why that's so dangerous in marriage is if you are dependent on the love of your spouse in order to love them well and return. What happens after a while if I'm not loving my wife well for a season? Well, if she's just relying on my love to fill her love tank, eventually she's not going to start to love me very well. And this is why, this is why having the Jesus first is so incredibly important because um, in those seasons, when we experience the love of God, when we experience his love and he's first, our capacity to love, our experience of love is not based on how well our spouse loves us. It's based on how well he loves us. And when we understand how great, like how powerful his love, his acceptance is for us, that gives me the capacity to love my wife even when she doesn't deserve it. And if you've been married more than six months, <laughs> you've all had moments where your spouse probably doesn't deserve to be loved very well. But when we have that love of Christ, it gives us the power. The best decision I've made in my life is I chose a spouse really well. I didn't even know how well I chose a spouse when I was 22 years old when I got married. I chose a spouse who understood and knew the love of God in a very real and deep way. And because of that, I have been loved consistently and better than by my wife than I've ever deserved or earned. 
and we have a great marriage, not because we're great at loving each other, but, we're, but because we know the love of God. That's how having Christ first in your life, how it starts to filter out to our other relationships. So Paul just doesn't talk about marriage. He doesn't talk about marriage. He also talks about our families and parenting. Listen to this in Colossians chapter three, verse 20 and 21 and to children and parents. Children, kids, students, here you go. Obey your parents. It's your favorite thing. And this is probably, you probably memorized this verse. Uh, Obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. But he doesn't just stop with kids. It's not just about how kids treat their parents. Moms and dads, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Again, Mutual submission. It's putting the other ahead of yourself. I've got three high school students right now, three high schoolers. It's fun. And uh, it's been fun this year to have them all in high school at the same time. It hopefully will be the only year they're all in high school. I'm hoping they'll pass this year and move on. Our oldest will be in college next year. Uh, But uh, a while back, I was talking to uh, my oldest and I thought she needed a little advice. You know, it was the teaching counsel part. I thought she needed a little of advice and it just happened to be about dating, um, which you read any parenting book. Um, I think the like first chapter in any parenting book is the thing that teenagers want most from their mom and dad is dating advice. So I jumped full fledged. I jumped into the deep end on this. So I'm talking to her about some things that she should do or be thinking about and how she should be wise. And uh, she says, dad, you don't, get it. That's not how it works. It's different now than when you were my age. It's like, what? Yep. It's, that's happened. That's happened to us. Hey, hey students. And I know we got some students in the room. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret about your parents or your grandparents, whoever you live with. This is gonna blow your mind. Your parents and all the decisions they make, they're not always going to get it right. I know, right? I know you're so shocked about that. Here's the other thing you need to know. Us moms and dads, we know we're not always gonna get it right. But your mom and dad, when it comes to putting Christ first, it's not, what's most important is not if your mom and dad get parenting and all the decisions they're gonna make. It's not, it doesn't matter if they're gonna get it right. What matters most for you is that you honor your mom and dad no matter what. And why that's important is because to the degree that you learn to submit to the authority of your mom and dad, even especially when you don't agree with them, that will only help you later in your life to submit to the authority of the creator God of the universe and to other authority that you're gonna have place in your your life. And moms and dads, now I'm gonna come to you. Now it's your turn. That's why it's so important for us that we don't embitter our kids, that we make it easy for them to submit to our authority. The easier we make it for them, the greater we set them up for the rest of their lives. And some of you adults know this. I mean, you're well into your adulthood years and you know, you still struggle with this. You still struggle with submitting to the authority of the God who created you, the God who loves you, the God who wants what is best for you because you never learned how to submit to the authority in your family. And some of that might not be your own fault. Maybe you didn't have a family that was worthy of honoring, right? But because you didn't learn that lesson as a kid, that's still hard for you in your faith. And so parents, there, we, all have, we all have big goals. Like when you think like, what's the end goal of parenting, especially if you still have kids in your home? What do you hope 
happens. Well, first and foremost, I hope the first goal is that your kids, your, your desire would be for them to know Jesus as being first in their own life, to know the way he loves them, to know their plans, to be able to submit to following him for the rest of their lives. Like that's goal number one. I mean, goal number two <laughs> might just be their productive, uh, productive members of society. But the other goal that we have as parents is, is that someday when our kids grow up and our adult children is that we'll have a great relationship with them as adults. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but outside of trial or tragedy, and I know those things happen, and I'm, man, my heart breaks when trial or tragedy enters any family, but outside of trial or tragedy, moms and dads, you will have a relationship with your kids as adults for a whole lot longer than you ever had a relationship with your kids when they were under your roof. And so the goal is that that relationship that's gonna be decades and decades and decades long will be healthy and meaningful and powerful. And the way that that can happen is because you don't embitter them. You teach and counsel, absolutely. You discipline? Absolutely. That's actually a critical part of the process, but that also means you love, you show mercy, you're kind, right? And as you do that, then mutual submission in a family becomes so much easier. Mutual submission in our marriages, mutual submission in our families. Paul has one more area where it's important for us to show mutual submission, and it might be a place you are surprised to see it. It's in our places of work, where we work. Now, the language Paul uses here in these last few verses in Ephesians chapter three, it's, it's different, definitely different language. Like there, as he talks about servants and slaves and masters, it was a completely different economy, a completely different way of doing business than what we know here today. So I want to change a couple of words in here that I think speaks more to our context when we think about our places of work. When he says servants, think of this as employee. Most of us are employees someplace in some way. Employees, obey your earthly masters or your employers. Employees, obey your earthly employers in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Why do we serve them? It's Maybe not because they always deserve it or have earned it, but we do it because of our fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord. I love that. Working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. He's always our first master. Then he says this, to those of you who are bosses, to those of you who own your own business, are leaders in your places of work, this is what Paul says to you. He says, masters, provide your slaves, provide your employees with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Again, Paul speaks to both sides. Do what's best for the other person on both sides of that. Um, we, all, we have a really interesting relationship with work here uh, in, in America. In a lot of ways, it's really healthy. It's really good. But I wonder, I wonder sometimes if we get this a little bit off. What if the most important thing about your work life is not how much money you make and is not how much success you can have? What if the most important thing about your work life are the relationships of the people you work with? 
And is Christ first in each of those relationships? Again, we'll throw that list of qualities up there. Is your workplace relationships, are they full of mercy and humility? Can there be teaching and counseling? Absolutely, but there's still love. There's gratefulness, there's kindness, there's gentleness. I actually love this word gentleness. There's another way that that word often gets translated, another English word uh, called meekness. I like that word meekness because here's what meekness is. Meekness is someone who is gentle, but who does not have to be. Meekness is someone who has incredible power, but chooses to uh, refrain that power in order to be gentle with others. It's power under control. And all of you in your places of work have some kind of power. Even if you're not the boss, you have some kind of power at the places of your work. How are you using the power that you've been given? Are you using the power for yourself just to benefit you? Are you using that power to serve others and to make their lives, to make their work better? When Christ is first, and Jesus is the best example of this, right? Jesus was the most powerful man, the most powerful person to ever walk this earth. And how did he use his power? He used his power to serve others. Here's my challenge for us. Here's my challenge for us today. In those three relationships, spouse, family, and work, I bet in one of those, there's probably some room for some growth for Christ to be more first in one of those areas. Which one of those relationships would you pick? Pick one for this week that you want to work on. You want to try to elevate Christ in that relationship. And is there a specific, is there a specific quality? You know, think about those 10 qualities again. Is there a specific one of those? Maybe it's showing someone mercy or forgiveness. Maybe, maybe it is teaching or counseling. Maybe it's just being grateful. It's not the exact job that you dreamed of. It's not the exact job that you wanted. You hope for something better. But can you still be grateful for what you have rather than being focused on what you don't have? If Christ was first in every relationship, genuinely, if Jesus was really first in all your relationships, would your life be better? I think we all know the answer to that. As we, as we are challenged, Paul challenges us in every relationship to put others ahead of ourself. Again, the reason we do that is not because others always deserve it. It's because we have a Lord and Savior who went to the cross for you. That's how much he loves you. And none of us deserve that. In fact, what he got is what we deserved. We love because he first loved us. And I want to come back to Tyler's story because it's so powerful. Again, and I know some of you might be today where Tyler once was, and there's always hope. You can't change how you got here, but you can still change the ending. And changing the ending begins with putting Jesus first. And once you do that, all the other relationships can start to fall into place as well. Check out the rest of his story. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.